the book of Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. We continue to study our primary theme, the right to the power to put off our way of life, our former way of life, so we can be clothed and clothe our bodies into a new way of life, into our new person, created in accordance to God in true righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this decree and commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in this series of sermons of Apostle Arcadi, we need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. And these are put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us as a guarantee in the format of a seed which we need to obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. The Lord gives us a guarantee. This guarantee needs to now become our possession and not just the Lord that gives us salvation. It's not just that the Lord gives us salvation, but also the guarantee of the Spirit into our heart. The Holy Spirit is also given in the form of a guarantee. He's given for a short time so that the Holy Spirit become, instead of our guest, our Lord and Master. And how do you determine whether the Holy Spirit is your guest or Lord and Master of your life? You can determine this by how you behave with the word of truth. If this word of truth does not become fruit, if you rely just on speaking in tongues, prophecies, dreams, but when the Lord becomes Lord and Master of our life, then we receive our salvation as a possession in the form of the fruit of righteousness and not in the form of some kind of supernatural spiritual uh, events or signs. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David where knowing and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisted of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of these names in battle against the enemies of David, Psalm 18, 1-3. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. And so the eight names of God. Our destiny in Jesus Christ, let us proclaim it together. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. Thanks be to God who has made us worthy of his names and has expanded his lot 
in his name. We will continue to study our inherited lot in Jesus Christ, studying the name of God, Rock, as our Rock of Israel. We came to the necessity to study the following series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What purpose in the realization of our salvation is our inherited lot called to fulfill consisted in the name of God, Rock of Israel? The price that is required to be paid to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our rock of Israel and the results that will help us determine that God is truly our rock of Israel as it relates to the realization of our calling. We need to keep in mind that if we decide to study our inherited lot contained in the name of God rock of Israel as something separate from the faith of our heart or the confessions of our mouth, then we will immediately be going in the wrong direction. All of these names, including the name of God Lord, you are my rock. It is for our heart, and they need to be confessed in the form of the Word of God, confessed with our mouth. Third question of the four. Third question, the price that is required to be paid to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our rock of Israel first component of the price called to give God the legitimate ability to be our rock consists in our decision to heed the commandments of the Lord, which will give us the power to the right to come out of Babylon. The scriptures say, go out of Babylon and state that the Lord has redeemed his servant. To receive this power, you need to make the decision to pay attention or heed the commandments of the Lord. It's not just a recommendation or an alternative. This is a command from the Lord that we need to come out of Babylon. We need to leave our carnal state, uh, come out of it from that place that mixes the things of God with the things of man. And first, this Babylon is in the form of our soul that has not been renewed in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, hasn't been resurrected. And a, a soul that is not renewed, our intellect is the first Babylon that we confront. And the democratic structures, the religious places where there's no godly order, where the Lord does not provide his commandments and does not reveal them. This is its own form of Babylon. Second component of the price called to give God the legitimate ability to be our rock is us paying the price for the ability to dwell with the devouring fire of holiness. Isaiah 33, 14-16 The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. We see that upon Zion there are sinners and there are wicked people. Who are these people? Who are these sinners and who are these wicked people? This is the one that as if left Babylon, as if left this democratic uh, forms, structures, but he took them out with him instead of leaving them behind, but is upon Zion. And being upon Zion, he's not a student, he does not obey, he controls, he weighs his uh, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and uh, only receives the things he does like. The sinners in Zion are afraid, Fear fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? And here it explains who can. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, 
He who despises a, the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. And so what will the Lord give to such a person? He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. In the given allegory, the reward for our ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness of the Most High are presented here in four signs. First, we will dwell on high. Second, our place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Third, bread from above will be given to us. Fourth, the living water of the Holy Spirit, received by us as Lord and Master of our life, who has become water in our heart, will be sure. At the same time, the price for the right to live with the devouring fire of holiness is the fruit of holiness in our heart, which stands guard of holiness of the Most High, in five individual signs, and here they are. This is walking righteously and speaking uprightly in your heart. And this, again, is the fruit of holiness in our heart, which stands guard of the holiness of the Most High. This person will walk righteously and speak uprightly in his heart. He will despise the gain of oppressions. He shall gesture with his hands, refusing bribes. He shall stop his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and he shall shut his eyes from seeing evil. We will pay attention to the price for the right to the power to live upon Zion with the devouring fire, representing the image of the holiness of the Most High. The first condition, which when fulfilled is the price which gives us the right to the power to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of God, this is the requirement to walk righteously and speak uprightly in your heart. Walk righteously and speak uprightly in your heart. Let's look at this also in the Psalm of David, Psalm 15, 1, 2. A Psalm of David, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? And so Isaiah says, who can live with this devouring fire? And here David says, this devouring fire is the house of God. This is his holy hill. Who can live there? And David answers the question, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Here the Lord shows that he is unchanging in his word. Isaiah lived in in a certain time. David lived in a different time. But the price for the right to live upon this holy hill with the devouring fire in his house, it's the same. You need to walk uprightly and work righteousness and speak the truth in your heart. These requirements never change with God. This very same holiness that was in the time of David will be offered to us as well. In Babylon, all of this is perverted some ways, changed. That's why it says run from Babylon. Only upon the mountain of God, the holy hill of God, can you hear of the true holiness of the Lord. Relevant to this, it is necessary for us to look at the essence of the following questions. First, what is righteousness and truth in its essence as well as its definition, and what purpose is righteousness and truth called to fulfill within our relationship with God? Second, what does the price 
and the requirements consist of giving us the ability to abide in truth and righteousness. Third, what conditions must we fulfill to keep ourselves within the boundaries of truth and righteousness? And fourth, by what results can we determine that God is truly our rock in the realization of our calling? We will be talking about righteousness and truth. Four classical questions. And you may ask, how are they different from any other? Usually he asks them in this format. First, we identify something. Identify something specific. Second, we talk about the purpose of this. Third, the price that's required for this for this component or this truth and the signs that will tell you that you have it or possess these virtues or whatever it may be. But when it's talking about righteousness and truth, the purpose uh, and the definition of them is pastor has placed in, in the first question. We, we look at, at the first question as the purpose, and the second is the price that will allow us to abide in tr- truth and righteousness. Third, uh, conditions. And fourth, the, the results <clears throat> that 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 will allow us to determine whether God is truly our rock. And so again, how do we abide in the truth? How do we receive this righteousness and truth? And third, how do you keep it? Let us shortly remember the first couple of questions. The first question, what is righteousness and truth in its essence as well as de- as its definition, and what purpose is righteousness and truth called to fulfill in our relationship with God. This is something we need to remember and, of course, understand. What is truth and what is righteousness? Let us look at truth is when it comes to us and what righteousness is. Truth, when it comes to us, is the state of a good heart, cleansed from dead works, in which the faith of God abides in the format of the wisdom of the elementary teaching of Christ. At the same time, righteousness or justice is a demonstration of this state in the fruit of our lips, which proclaim the inner state of the faith of our heart. And so truth and righteousness, truth is the state, and righteousness is a demonstration of that state uh, and the confe- by the confessions of our mouth. And we see that when we collaborate with any of the eight names of God, we need to utilize our heart as well as our lips because independent of our heart, independent of our lips, not in, there, none of these names will work in our life. They will not uh, function within our life. Their purpose will not be able to be uh, working within our life. And so we proclaim these things in prayer. Accordingly, justice or righteousness is truth in action or a result of what truth produces because the true work of righteousness in the work of justice can only come from the truth that abides in the heart of a man and so any work of righteousness and work of justice or sanctification in this case can only come from the truth that abides in the heart If your heart does not have this truth, then you cannot do the work of righteousness and work of justice. Why do people go to these encounters? 
why are they so attracted to this? Because in because they were told what you're not getting in your churches we can give you in three days. Why? Because in their heart there's no truth. <clears throat> I liked uh, this this phrasing the way that that pastor had put this the true work of righteousness and the true work of justice can only come from the truth that abides in the heart the undamaged unpeddled with truth truth first is personified in God it is one of the title names of God and the natural state of God this is his truth it's not just his uh, name his title name but they are also whatever his title names are they're also his characteristics Therefore, when we prioritize the program of God, the carrier of which is our sacred person, we will be able to possess the state of truth in our heart, in our spirit, which will allow us to expand the state upon our soul and upon our body. And so, we need to not just be called, but also to be the children of God, that we not just carry the titles of uh, children of God, but live as as the devil. We need to be called and to be the children of God. And so we need to collaborate with the program of God. And where did God put this program? In our spirit. But in what spirit? A spirit that is cleansed from dead works. And a spirit that has the truth of the elementary teaching. And now this truth begins to do its work in the righteous person, in the righteous man, and expands then upon the soul and the body of man. And without the truth, nothing will be able to expand. The boundaries of it will not be able to expand. Further, the scriptures identify all that comes from God as the truth. Psalm 119.138 Your testimonies which you have commanded are righteous and are very faithful. The word righteousness within our heart opens the developing work of the fruit of truth which is contrary to lawlessness, unrighteousness, uncleanness, and carriers of impurity which are present in every holy church who belong to the category of weeds. The righteousness of God is contrary to unrighteousness. Revelation 22.11 He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he who is holy, let him be holy still. If righteousness is truth in action, then false righteousness, or the look of godliness, is what is called part, part or partial truth, which is deception. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And so what does it mean to be righteous? To be righteous means to be justified by God. Have your rights restored, being constructed in God, being just in God, be prepared for battle or for a fight, be direct, be straight, be correct, be securely based, stand immovable in faith, be acknowledged as faithful and reliable, produce the fruit of righteousness. And so, who is this person who is righteous? This is one who is justified by God and who produces fruits of righteousness to God. 
a person who can collaborates with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is able to transform his seed into fruit. This is a righteous person. He is justified by God and he produces fruits of righteousness. This is a righteous person. According to these meaningful and incredible definitions, we conclude that according to Scripture, righteousness as a product of truth is also one of the title names and virtues characterizing the nature of God and the nature of the kingdom of God inside of us. Romans 14:17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In Scripture, the term righteousness belongs to the creation of a righteous person which demonstrates itself according to the state of his heart, his thoughts, his words, and his actions. And so righteousness is justice, uprightness, legality, wisdom, faithfulness, constance, truthfulness, reliability, firmness, gentleness, grace, nobility, immovability, holiness, generosity, mercy, long-suffering, and an ample amount of love. And as the truth is the title name of God and identifies his characteristics, righteousness also is the title name of God and identifies his characteristics. And so the Lord gives us his truth as well as his righteousness and to give it to us, pass it on to us. He does this uh, by the genetic line. You can't just be given a brochure and this brochure say what is righteousness and what is truth. What are you going to do with this brochure? You will open it, close it, and then forget it. To be able to pass on righteousness and truth or the state of it, the Lord passes it on not just with his title names but his character as well. And for this it is necessary first as our Heavenly Father to take his word and magnify it above all his names. And when he had magnified his word above all his names and became a servant of his own word and had shown his Son and the Holy Spirit how you need to honor the word and how you need to bind yourself to the word of God <clears throat> and when someone now uh, someone says Lord I beg you do this for me the Lord will say well I am obligated to do what my word says I am a servant of my own word and the father had shown to his son and the son received from the father this truth and this and this righteousness he learned how he needs to treat the word how he needs to uh, behave when it comes to the Word of God and he never did anything from himself or did anything from himself or for his own personal glory and the Holy Spirit had taken from Christ and does nothing of his own and so something is passed on from the Father to the Son and from the Son to the Holy Spirit and from the Holy Spirit to the messengers of God and from the messengers of God to us and we see this genetic line coming from the Father himself truth is given to us and this truth is I need to receive it uh, genetically and you receive it into your heart, not into your mind. Truth needs to come into our heart and a heart that is cleansed from dead works. And so the Lord for uh, takes a lot of time to cleanse our heart from dead works, from our religiousness, from our personal opinions, 
uh, when it comes to the truth, and then this needs to this truth then needs to <clears throat> move on to our soul and to our body it needs to impact our then our soul and then our body, and ultimately it will be in this mortal body. This mortal body has the program of life and resurrection. He has passed on his salvation, and our salvation is tightly connected to the truth, and the truth is connected to the righteousness of God or with the righteous one, because righteousness is truth in action. Question two, what is the price or requirement giving us the ability to abide in truth and righteousness? To abide, to receive it and abide in it, and the, and then the next will be how to keep it, but right now, to abide in this truth. First, it consists in receiving and acknowledging the delegated authority of God over yourself in the form of the delegated delegated by Him righteous one. <clears throat> and so this is acknowledging again God's delegated authority, the righteous one who would be able to pass on this truth to me. And what righteous one? The one who is not just a friend to me or my colleague or my partner. <clears throat> My, my co-worker, he, need, he needs to be as the father because this heavenly code passes on from the father to the teacher than to the son. And so when we have a good relationship with the righteous one, uh, this code or this line, genetic line, can be then received by us uh, from the father again to the son. We have God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Lord showed how this uh, this line or this genetic line passes on. <clears throat> we need to receive God's messenger who would be able to give us the truth into our righteous heart and we would be able to be clothed into this truth. Second, it consists this price in paying to know the truth about the adoption of your earthly body by the redemption of Christ. Third, it consists in our decision to forgive offenses before the setting of the sun. And so how do we abide, not just receive, but also abide in righteousness and truth? You need to forgive. And allow me to read it again, uh, this definition of forgiveness. It's just a work of art. <clears throat> it is a beautifully beautiful way, uh, the way it is phrased. Forgiveness is a goal-oriented, voluntary act accompanied by the discipline of our mind and our heart called to lead our wounded emotions to freedom from sin called offense which is a net and a snare of the devil into which he catches men who refuse to uproot offense from their heart and so this is a very condensed uh paragraph that is given but it and there's so much you can see here and so you forgive and how through forgiveness you keep yourself in righteousness and truth fourth this price consists in a full and complete separation from babylon fifth consists in submitting your faith to the faith of god or collaborate your faith with god god's faith sixth the price consists in preparing yourself for a relationship with god as your spouse and for this you need to separate from the old man who wants the right to our soul. And the soul 
needs to separate from the old man in the death of the of the Lord Jesus Christ. And after that, produce fruits of righteousness where she could put on fine and bright linen as the bride. You can't be put on bright, fine and bright linen if we are still married to the old man. We need to separate from him. We need to end the marriage with our old man. Die for our nation, yes. Die for the house of our father and your personal desires. And when we, in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, die for these three, and then we uh, separate from our old man. Seventh, that price consists in receiving the gospel of Christ into your heart, where the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, which will then result in us having eternal life in ourselves. And so from faith to faith, not from denomination to denomination. As people become Baptists and then from they they become a Pentecostal, then they they become a uh, they go to a Charismatic church. They go to all different uh, denominations and change their titles. And then those that were going to the Charismatic church now go to a Catholic church and put on a big heavy cross and put on the robe as 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 the 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 priests do first they spoke badly about the baptists and the others uh, and now they act very differently this is what they think is it means to go from faith to faith what it means is to move from the faith in the format of seed into the faith that is in the format of fruit pretty much from seed of the truth to the fruit from seed of truth to the fruit of truth this was the second question what is needed to receive this righteousness and truth and abide in it. <clears throat> Question three, what conditions must we fulfill to keep ourselves within the boundaries of truth and righteousness? In war strategies, there is one unchanging understanding, and that is that to overthrow the heights of the enemy is difficult, but it is more difficult to keep or contain it after the fact from the attacks of new enemies. The same thing is appropriately applied to us in keeping ourselves upon heights within the boundaries of truth and righteousness. We need to keep these heights, keep ourselves within the boundaries of truth and righteousness. First condition, which when fulfilled will keep us in truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the Most High, is to walk before God, or to walk with God. Gen uh, Genesis 6, 9, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God, according to the given testimony about Noah, to be righteous and upright in his generation. It was necessary for him to walk with God. In Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, <clears throat> or in Hebrew, the phrase walk with God. Here we're studying right now on Sundays. The pastor is allowing us to see how no, uh, Enoch walked before God. And a lot of the truth uh, 
as we can see, it, inter it is intertwined or somehow overlaps and we see it uh, more deeply and, and understand it better. And so Noah walked before God. To walk with God is to distance yourself from evil and cling to good. Make your call and election sure. Abide in the truth and allow the truth to abide in us. Place yourself in dependence of the truth and the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit within the boundaries of the teaching of Christ. Strive toward the goal demonstrated in the honor of the upward call of God. Build yourself into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. Fulfill your calling by striving for holiness. This is what it means to walk with God. He walked before Him. He walked with Him. He abided in the truth, which allowed Him to be led by the Holy Spirit. And being led by the Holy Spirit allowed Him to strive to the goal of the upward call, which m includes the adoption of our mortal bodies. And so this is how beautifully and clearly it was presented to walk with God. Second condition, which when fulfilled will keep us in truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the Most High, is when you suffer for the truth, you do not threaten in return, but rather commit your case to God as the righteous judge. 1 Peter 2.23 Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. To behave in a similar situation, just as our Savior did, it is necessary, just like Him, to refuse all kinds of protection for the sake of God's defense and protection so that He can keep our heart in truth and righteousness. To refuse any kind of defense for, for the sake of God's protection. Romans twelve nineteen, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And so, you don't need to avenge yourself. You don't need to threaten in return. You need to allow God to judge your case. And to allow God to judge your case is not to go down or stoop down to their level. Because when you begin to uh, threaten in return, uh, you stoop down to their level. And so we can confess the faith of our heart at this time, not avenge ourselves. As it says, the key word, avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, God's wrath. You need to allow God's will to happen <clears throat> and not stoop down to the level of those people who threaten us, but confess the truth of God and God's judgments and never avenge yourself under any circumstance because the Lord wants to defend you. And in this way, we will be able to keep ourselves keep ourselves in within the boundaries of the truth and righteousness which will allow us to keep 
allow us to be with the devouring fire or live with it, allow God to do his work and not do the work for him. That's how I understand this. As it is written by our pastor, do not do God's work, allow God to defend you. Do not defend yourself and do not uh, scare others using God's, uh, God's name. You search for God's will, you proclaim God's will, which is the faith of your heart, and there you have safety with Him, and you have, and and God will pour out His vengeance upon your enemies in due time. Third condition, which when fulfilled will keep us in truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the Most High, is not justify yourself before God and never demand anything from God, but only beg for mercy. Don't justify yourself, don't demand anything, but beg for mercy. Job 9, 14, 15. How then can I answer him and choose my words to reason with him? For though I were righteous, I could not answer him. I would beg mercy of my judge. To never justify yourself before God and never demand anything from God, but only beg for mercy. Don't allow your lips to uh, allow your fl- uh, your lips to allow your flesh to sin, and never speak before an angel of God, as it were. And do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the works of your hands? Ecclesiastes 5.6 And so don't allow your lips, again, your mouth, to cause your flesh to sin. This is when we begin to justify ourselves before God. When you say, well, you just don't understand me, or these are just... uh, mistakes uh, in a form of of justifying the the act uh, this is not something you can do you can only ask for mercy and no and don't allow your mouth to cause your flesh to sin fourth condition which when fulfilled will keep us in truth and righteousness giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the most high is receiving circumcision in the form of the seal of righteousness which we obtain we obtained and had before circumcision. The seal of righteousness. What righteousness? The righteousness which we received before we were circumcised. Romans 4.11 And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised that righteousness might be inputted to them also as much as we know <clears throat> the seal is confirmation of a legitimate document a seal is placed upon a document which then makes it legitimate and so when you make a covenant of peace with God the seal of righteousness ratifies the faith of Abraham which he had before circumcision or before he made a covenant of peace with God And so, the symbol of the seal of righteousness is making a covenant of peace with God in the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire, which is confirmation of our righteousness by faith which we had before we made a covenant of peace with God. 
the seal of righteousness in the form of the covenant of peace made with God is places responsibility on both sides of, of, of those who have made the covenant where each side is responsible for their role. We need to keep in mind that such a covenant consists in a person first fulfilling the condition of the given covenant, which will then allow God from his side to fulfill his part. If a person violates or does not fulfill his part of the given covenant of peace with God, God will not then have any requirements to fulfill his part of the given covenant of peace. And to fulfill your part of the covenant, you need to be taught and well uh, and understand well the responsibility of both sides of the covenant. The essence of the agreement of of the covenant of peace is something you can receive by being instructed by a person whom God has placed over us and in the church that this person carries responsibility for. We see in what way a person receives the seal of righteousness is receiving circumcision in the form of the seal of righteousness which we received before circumcision. We obtained it already and then we received the seal. And so it was accounted to him as righteousness and then he was circumcised. And the circumcision that Abraham received was the seal of righteousness. We see here the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ when John the Baptist came, he was the last prophet of the Old Testament. He offered the baptism in repentance. For him, baptism was repentance. He baptized uh, sinners to repentance. But in the New Testament, when a person is submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you can be submerged only if you're righteous. And so when John saw Jesus Christ, the righteous one, coming to him, and he said, you come to me to be baptized in the baptism of repentance. And Jesus uh, Jesus told him, this is what Abraham had done. Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And then he was circumcised. Uh, he made a covenant with God. And so in the Old Testament or the Law of Moses or what John the Baptist offered, the final prophet of the Old Testament, uh, Jesus, and so again, John, John offered the baptism in the form of repentance. But in the New Testament, this is making a covenant of peace with God. This is a seal that is placed upon a justified person. A person repents, uh, leaves his sins, he confesses his sins before God, he receives justification for, justification freely by grace, and receiving this justification freely, he becomes righteous, and then he is baptized in water, and upon this document of righteousness, a seal of righteousness is placed. And now this person is just, uh, justified, and now this person can uh, grow uh, the, the from the seed of righteousness into the fruit of righteousness. And so it's important to be baptized in water. <clears throat> and so you say, well, what is it? You're, you're submerged into water and then taken out of it. Um, with the submerging into water uh, and coming out of it, is, is this is part of the teaching of, the, of Jesus Christ, the truth that the Lord has magnified above all his names. 
the Lord makes a covenant with, with us as righteous people. And so it's important to understand that. There's an interesting angle that we need to understand. He receives, a person receives a baptism uh, and he receives this contract as a righteous person. If he has repented, if a person comes to God, repents, but does not want to be baptized in water, he will not have the document upon which you could place the seal. And so, uh, if a person refuses to continue on and to do the next steps, <clears throat> and uh, if a person doesn't want to continue, he's going to unfortunately go to hell. And so, <clears throat> we had a young person that we were baptizing, and he was a bit heavy, and he. Uh, almost fell in the water all the way at the bottom of the pool and he grabbed onto my arm and had to pull him out. And so, a person, again, that is not being baptized or refuses to be baptized in water will not be received into heaven. Uh, you need to perform the act. You ne- you've received righteousness, uh, justification freely by grace, and you receive the document uh, that you can then place the seal of righteousness upon this document. Uh, and so, my choices. Uh, that then everything that I do, uh, and you look and you say, well, it, I, I, I don't feel like I'm righteous. My thoughts and my actions, what I wear, it's not. But that's why we now take this seed of truth and we grow it into fruit. How many churches actually explain this kind of thing? To serve God with a good conscience. And so they say, well, yeah, we're serving God by evangelizing. Unfortunately, it's not explained properly. And so they're still baptizing people in accordance with the Old Testament and not the New. Fifth condition, which when fulfilled will keep us in truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire for holiness in the house of the Most High, is regarding the life of his animal, which implies the life of our soul. A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Proverbs 12.10 And so the soul of a person which has been controlled by governing a sin in the form of the old man carrying the program of the fallen cherubim it's in the likeness of an animal or a beast. And so the phrase uh, animal instincts where where you hear these kinds of phrase, this this identifies one thing, one essence. This is the soul of a person that is controlled by governing sin in, in the form of the old man. About the righteous, it says, the righteous man regards the life of his animal. In Hebrew, the verb regards, in this case, means cares for the life of his soul, gives food to his soul, considers his words, behaves wisely, allows God to know about him, opens himself before God, provides God with a foundation to be known. Prepared, you're, you're being prepared to be taught righteousness. You attend the voice of truth. You differentiate the voice of truth from other voices. <clears throat> and so this is what it means. He regards, he regards the life of his animal. According to this definition, when it t- talks about regards uh, uh, the animal, it's our responsibility and our role and responsibility to save our soul. The righteous regards the life of his animal. 
you need to stand in faith for the salvation of your soul so that in this in the in this uh book of proverbs we show this example as symbolically that our soul is as this animal and so let us read here how he regards his soul how he saves his his soul his as his animal So that I don't have these animal uh, the the characteristics of of a of a animal or like as but as a lion from the tribe of Judah or simplicity of a dove, a good characteristics that we should have. Hebrews ten thirty six through thirty nine, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. <clears throat> and so this phrase where we believe for the saving of the soul, this is uh, the righteous <clears throat> regarding the life of his animal. If we don't lose our soul in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, so we can obtain it in the resurrection of Christ in a new form, God will not have any ability to keep our heart in righteousness and truth, and we will not then have any ability to live with the devouring fire, which identifies the boundaries of holiness of the, of God Most High. We need to lose our soul and reobtain it in the resurrection of Jesus Christ in a new form. And so all of these animal instincts and and characters, characteristics, uh, as it were, uh, harsh and rough characteristic character that a person may have. Um, and all of this is so beautifully explained by our pastor that the righteous regards his animal, the life of his animal. We need to lose our soul in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and reobtain it in his resurrection. Sixth condition which when fulfilled will keep us in truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the Most High, is to look and keep watch over your building and constructing of yourself into the likeness of the house of God. 1 Corinthians 3.10 According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. And so we, <clears throat> to keep ourselves in truth and righteousness, we understand that our foundation has been laid and now we need to watch how we're being built. To watch how you're being built up is to test yourself as to whether you are in the faith of God and is it in you. First, uh, Second Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? God's faith, as it's written, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. God's faith. It's parallel to the truth. And so it says, <clears throat> each one needs to test themselves. 
God's faith, which is called to abide in our heart, and that our heart needs to abide in, is the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ and the Holy Spirit, who reveals the significance or meaning of the truth that's in our heart. And so what is God's faith? It is truth, the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning of this truth in our heart. You cannot have the truth in your heart and not have the Holy Spirit. God's faith is the truth and the Holy Spirit himself who reveals this truth. Two forms of wisdom of, of God that need to be in our heart. If by being instructed in faith, we have put into our heart this truth of the elementary teaching of Christ. Let me read it once more. If by being instructed in faith, we do not place into our heart the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ and have not received into our heart the Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning <clears throat> meaning of this truth, God will not have any ability then to keep our heart in truth and righteousness. And furthermore, we will not have any ability to live with the devouring fire that identifies the boundaries of the holiness of God Most High. <clears throat> we receive all of this by being instructed in faith. We put the truth in our heart and we receive the Holy Spirit as our Lord and our Master of our life by being instructed in faith, by listening to the preached word which the Lord offers to us uh, by His Messenger, His delegated Messenger. S seventh condition, which when fulfilled will keep us in truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the Most High, is to find yourself in God or to place yourself into Christ, not with your own personal righteousness that is from the law, but with the one that is by faith in Christ Jesus. Philippi Philippians 3.9 and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. The phrase, to be found in him, means to find yourself in Jesus Christ, not with your own personal righteousness that is from the law, but that is by faith in Christ, with the righteousness that is from God by faith. We need to ask the question, in what way are we called to be found in Jesus Christ with righteousness that is from God by faith. To find yourself in Christ Jesus is possible by bearing fruits of righteousness to God, by confessing with your mouth God's faith that abides in your heart. And so to be found in Him, not with your own personal righteousness from the law, but that is by faith in Jesus Christ, with the righteousness that is from God. Only by producing fruits of righteousness to God, by confessing with your mouth the faith of God that abides in your heart. Specifically, confessing the faith of your heart gives God the ability to place us into Christ and Christ then to abide in our heart. And this form of confession is the fruit of, of our lips which glorify God. John 15, 4 through 8. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you cannot do anything. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, 
and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, my Father, is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. <clears throat> to bear much fruit in the confessions of the faith of our heart clothes us into the virtue of students of Christ, which in turn gives God the ability to keep our heart in truth and righteousness. If our lips refuse to collaborate with our heart, <clears throat> where we receive the seed of truth in the form of the elementary teaching of Christ, we will not be able to be the students of Christ. And so our lips have to collaborate with the truth that abides in our heart. And it, it speaks of how we can be found in Him, not with our own personal righteousness from the law, but that is the one that is by faith. By collaborating with the collaboration of our heart with our lips, when the lips confess the truth that is in our heart. The confessions is righteousness and the truth that's in our heart. And so truth and righteousness, this is how we can keep ourselves in truth and righteousness, be found in Him with the righteousness that is from God by faith. Our lips are collaborating with our heart. But with what kind of heart? A heart where we receive the seed of truth. And so if there's no truth in the heart and we don't confess it with our mouth, then such a person cannot possess righteousness from God by faith. Due to this, God then will not have any ability to keep our heart in truth and righteousness, and we will not have any ability to live with the devouring fire, which identifies the boundaries of the holiness of God Most High. This was the third question. In what way or what price do we need to pay so that we can keep ourselves in righteousness and truth? And let us very shortly look at question four. By what results can we determine that we are within the territorial boundaries of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness, abiding in the house of the Most High? The results are the fruits of righteousness by which we can determine that we truly possess the nature that corresponds to God's nature and not a counterfeit of it. One of the results of us being within the boundaries of truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness abiding in the house of the Most High is the ability to confront any weapon formed against you and every tongue that will rise in judgment against you. A very interesting result. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. And so what is this tongue that will rise against us in judgment? And what is this weapon that will be formed against us? Here's what these things are. First, weapons formed against us is our intellect 
who will have a conflict with the wisdom of our heart and will attempt to determine for itself what is good and evil. So it turns out our intellect or that area of our soul that we have not lost in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and have not reobtained in the resurrection in a new form is that armor or that weapon that uh, will rise against us in judgment, our personal intellect. It represents the program of the devil. But not just this. Also, this is every person who is taught worldly wisdom, including learning psychology and receiving doctorate degrees of magistrates and theology. These are also weapons formed against us. When There are apostles, teachers, and instead they, they receive these doctorate titles and psychologists, all these types of people that they, they are weapons against the holy nation of God. And third, these are regular uh, ignorant people of Scripture. And so they, they consider themselves experts of, of Scripture, but they're actually ignorant, and they think they understand what is good and evil. These are the three weapons that will be formed against us. They will not be successful. We just need to understand who these weapons are that are formed against us. These symbolic weapons together are in the midst of the saints, the great harlot that sits upon the beast. Revelation 17, 3 through 5. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. Here we see this weapon. She was holding this goblet in her hand, which was filled with filthiness, this golden cup. It was full of abominations and fornication. And so this is when when these preachers they begin to they take the Bible, they shake it in front of the people and begin to try to explain it with their intellect. This is this weapon. This is that golden cup weapon that is formed against us is a vessel for wine, an item satisfying the desires of the flesh, <clears throat> the flesh and not the spirit, an object made of bronze, but not silver or gold. This is a tool of a writer that it is the handwriting of requirements against us. This is a hypocrite, a tool of a writer. This is an instrument allowing you to determine good and evil. And it's not an instrument used by the angels of God, but we ourselves use it trying to uh, compare ourselves with others. Uh, and evaluate and judge according to our intellect. Our, this is also arms for attacking and taking captive. 
This is also items belonging to an idol house, synagogues of Satan. And this is also a ship for great waters. All of these things are that weapon that will be formed against us. If these symbolic weapons are taken all to, taken together and they symbolize the soul that is not lost in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, every tongue that rises in judgment against us, these are words that express unclean thoughts, the carrier of which are unclean people. And so this weapon is the area of the soul that is not lost this is the soul that is not lost in the death of the Lord Jesus. And then these are uh, the, then the, these are expressed in words. These unclean thoughts are expressed in words. Uh, Psalm 149, 5 through 9. How do we overcome this? Overcomes this tongue that will rise in judgment against us. How do we overcome him? Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment, this honor of all his saints, praise the Lord. To execute on them the written judgment, this is that weapon that will be able to overcome any tongue that rises against us in judgment, you will condemn him because you will execute on them this written judgment. The written means not not just written into the Holy Bible, but the law that is written in your heart. Only that law will be able, by confessing with your mouth, overcome that tongue that will condemn or rise against us in judgment. And so if our lips that confess the faith of God will not be victorious over the organized powers of darkness, then this means that we are confessing not God's faith, but our own personal imagination and agree with them. And so, of course, then God will not have any ability then to keep in our heart his truth and righteousness and we will not then have any ability to live with the devouring fire which identifies the boundaries of the holiness of God most high second one this is this is another result of us being within the boundaries of truth and righteousness giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness abiding in the house of the most high is us being known in heaven on earth and in hell and so we need to be known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. Job 2.3 Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause? According to this place of scripture, God always boasts about his people in front of the devil who <clears throat> overcome evil and also obstacles that are placed in their way. And the loss, even of materialistic things, they continue to stay, stand and hold fast to their uprightness. By what criteria or signs can we examine ourselves that our names are known in heaven, on earth, and in hell? 
being known, or our names being known in heaven, in hell, and on earth, is to be uh, determined by the faith of God that abides in our heart in the form of the received by us promise of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. And so being known in heaven and in, in hell, the fact that we are known can be determined by the faith of God abiding in our heart and this faith needs to include the redemption of Christ, the adoption of our body. <clears throat> Job 19, 25 through 27, for I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall st- stand at last on the earth and after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. The faith of God abiding in our heart is knowledge that we received in our time in the form of the seed of the word of truth by being instructed in faith, and then grew the seed into the fruit of righteousness, proclaiming the not existent in the visible world as existent. And so at that time, Job, uh, being sick, being uh, leprous, he proclaimed the deliverance of his body, trusting upon the redemption of his body uh, here on earth. And so what did Job trust upon? What did he rely upon? Why was the Lord boasting about Job? Why was the name of Job known in heaven and in hell? Why? The Lord knew about him. The devil knew about him. Because he did not trust upon the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He relied only upon the Redeemer. Because in hell there's no interest in those that... uh, in the practicing of spiritual gifts because they can falsify a lot of this stuff. But the remembrance of the name of the Lord Jesus is there. Uh, his, the memory of him. Before he went to heaven, he has the Redeemer. He had gone to hell, and he took the keys of hell. And in hell, they remember Christ as the Redeemer. And when we uh, boast about the redemption what did the 24 elders do? They could have been saying all kinds of great things about themselves. No. They thanked God for redeeming them from every tribe, language, people, nation, <clears throat> and made them kings and priests, and that they will rule with Christ on earth. They speak of the redemption, and so when we thank God for, for the redemption, and the redemption needs to expand its boundaries, not just upon our spirit, but upon our soul and our body also. Right now we will pray and thank God that we have the ability to thank thank God and to boast about God and to thank Him about redemption. Those who praise God, these are people who are known in heaven and in hell because we boast about the name of the Lord Jesus. You can listen to all of these sermons in the archives. And and this one was specifically... uh, uh, in June of June 11th, 2021, from the sermon that was spoken by our pastor, I went through it quite quickly, but we remembered what the things that were spoken about, and let us pray. May we be blessed.
Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you that you have allowed us to be upon the place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your name. The place where there's a remembrance of your name, because upon this place is your righteousness and your truth. We lift you up, Lord, in your name. As, Lord, you are my strength, because you are unchanging in your words. And you have magnified your word above all your names, and you have taught us how to do this. And we today humble ourselves before your word and magnify your word also as you did. We thank you, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. You have allowed us to be obedient to your word, your your commandments, and the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit by fulfilling your commandments. We thank you, Lord, that you are our stronghold. You have allowed us, you are our rock. You allow us to weigh ourselves upon the scales and weights which you have offered and not use our own personal opinions, our own personal intellect, but confess the word that you have put into our heart in the form of your truth. We approach you so that we can be fertilized with the seeds of the word of truth and so that we can grow the fruits of righteousness by which you will be able to deliver us and show yourself to us as our Lord who is a deliverer. And you can deliver us when you allow us to be lifted up to heights. You allow us to be lifted up to these heights that are unreachable for us and you become our God who is our rock and whom we trust as the rock of Israel. And this we have in the Son of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we lift you up as our Redeemer. You have redeemed not just our spirit, but also our mortal soul, and have adopted our body. And we thank you for your redemption. And your name is known as the Redeemer in heaven, on earth, and in hell as well. And we thank you today, and we lift you up as our Redeemer. And we thank you for this wonderful redemption that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is upon our account because you have placed this truth and you have written this truth in our heart. And all the truth that is written and has been have, have been received into our heart, this is what is in you. This is what is in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and we thank you that no one will be able to take this inheritance from us. And we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful redemption. We thank you, Lord, for your godly order, because we can live with the devouring fire of holiness and allow us today to have the ability and pay the appropriate price so that we can not just receive the right to be upon this place, but to keep ourselves by having the fr- these fruits of righteousness, producing these fruits of righteousness, which will allow us to not just to keep the holiness of the Lord, but by keeping the holiness of the Lord, <clears throat> we will keep ourselves from your your burning fire, your devouring fire. We thank you that you give us your truth by your messenger. You give your truth and you teach us how we can be with this devouring fire of your holiness. We've made the decision to walk in righteousness and to speak the truth. We've made the decision today 
to collaborate with your words, to collaborate our heart with the words that you give, the words you give by your messenger whom you have placed over us so that our lips can collaborate with your lips but our lips will not be able to collaborate with your lips until our heart collaborates with your word, with your truth. And so we thank you that you have passed on your perfect truth, which will allow us to do the works of righteousness and works of justice and sanctify ourselves and dedicate ourselves to you. You have said that the holy let him be holy still and the righteous let him be righteous still. And so for this to happen, allow us to keep the truth in our heart in an undamaged way because the work of righteousness can only be in our heart that has kept the truth in its original form. We thank you, Lord, that no weapon that has been placed against us and no tongue that rises in judgment against us will be able to overcome us but we will overcome him and will condemn him we make the decision today to confront with your word with your written word the word that was written in your it was the written word that was written then in our heart and by confessing these this truth because we've magnified your truth above all your name we receive then the ability to condemn every tongue that will rise against us in judgment <clears throat> that will accuse us and no weapon that is set against us will be able to be successful we thank you for the truth and we thank you for salvation, which depends upon the truth and depends upon our relationship with the person whom you have placed to give us this truth and also the place where we receive this truth. Allows to keep this until the day of your coming, your truth without not damaged and, it's, and in its original way. Allow us to value your Zion, your church. And we thank you for the atmosphere of brotherly love which abides upon this place. And we come to this place to be taught your words. We come to this place so we may have fellowship, so that the blood of Jesus Christ would receive the legitimate ability to cleanse us from all sin, because we walk in the light and have fellowship with one another in the love of God agape, which allows the blood of Jesus Christ to function within us and to free us from all sin that we're bound by, to lead us out of slavery of sin. We thank you, Lord, for your Zion. We thank you for the person, one out of thousands, whom you have sent into our life, who has passed on to us not just this wonderful truth, but has passed on to us with your truth, the character of this truth, the fear of the Lord, and how we need to regard your word, how we need to magnify your word, how we tremble before your word. And we thank you, Lord, 
that today we receive these revelations by having a living example. And we thank you that the word that we receive from our brother, pastor brother Akari, it has lifted us up, it has healed us, it has resurrected us, it has served us, and we pray, Lord, we pray, Father, our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, that the same word that had comforted us, healed us, and resurrected us, that it also work because of our prayers for our pastor and that he be completely restored before you we thank you Lord for him we thank you Lord for that little by which you have passed on your perfect truth and we will do everything from our side to keep it in its original form in our heart we prepare our heart to service that will be on Sunday. And we thank you for this great privilege that we can hear the voice of our pastor and to be taught your perfect truth, taught your words. We thank you and we magnify our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.